Tom Ross Parry coming in with the auction. Bid 2,000, he says. Bid 2,000 is gone for 2,600. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I just... I'm glad I just uh, turned the volume down on these headphones. <laughs> I might have to check the levels on that because my auctioneer voice is very loud. Yep. Um, what's that about, Matt? What? Oh, God, we'll get into it, Tom. It's Tom and Matt Attack. off before we do you all right oh i'm absolutely fine thank you matt how are you i'm i'm not too bad <laughs> as you can tell you know i'm looking at the optimistic side of the auction i was hmm. just bidding on that i i managed to save a lot of oh money. so um was it video game related it was video game related ah, yeah dear. um currency is a funny thing isn't it because i mean you you used to live in Denmark. I still mm. live in Denmark, but I was bidding on an auction um, from another Scandinavian country that remained nameless. And essentially, the the currency there, while is still crowns, is is different conversionally. And so I was talking to one Thomas Parry as we prepared to record this episode, and I was just seeing the copies of Bubble Bobble One and Two that I was bidding on box for the Game Boy. I was like, hmm, these are these are going to go for quite a lot of money, but I I really like bubble bobble one and two i i would like to own a box copy of those mm-hmm. um and i was just saying to tom i was like mm, i've put, put a bit more than i i think i want to pay for these because just boxes no games but I, obviously i've got the cartridges and tom's just like i just put two thousand kroner on it it's fine just you know just put 230 pounds on these boxes see what happens Anyway, it's all for more than that. Anyway, so uh, you know, swings roundabouts. So I didn't spend about hundred quid on video game boxes. So yeah, so that, how's your week going, Tom? I thought we were talking about oh, my levels are just crazy. It's okay, I'm so, Tom. I'm so loud. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say are. yes. I thought a thousand kroner was like ten quid. Yeah, your your brain's broken. No, unfortunately, a thousand yen is that's about... that's probably where it came from. Maybe. Yeah, I've been looking at prices in yen uh, recently, perhaps. <laughs> a thousand yen to GPP at this moment in time, Tom, is about six pounds. Um, All right. Well, like United States dollars, they're, um, they're closer to uh, $10 per thousand ren. Yeah, I did. Ren. Yeah, I did. Yes, ren. <laughs> about a thousand dollars to a Kylo Ren. Um, no, I, I just looked actually. A thousand kroner Danish at this moment of recording, uh, thank you, inflation, is worth £112. Oh, of, of course. We, we did a transaction recently. Uh, yes, we did. <laughs> so we, did. We, we learned all about that. Uh, yes, so um, video games. Uh, yes. Not, not welcome to Tom and Matt's economic podcast. Uh, bubble Bobble. Cool. Bubble Bobble. Double Dribble Double Dragon F Zero. What is, is that? Oh, have you not seen the Wee Wednesday shopping channel music? I will pop a link in the description, Tom Harry. We need not get derailed because you have a train to catch. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a harmless bit of internet hijinks, Tom, where someone sings over the Wii music, oh. uh, the Wii shopping channel music with titles of video games. Oh, lovely! 
Okay, it, okay, I'll check it out. It is retweeted on Twitter every Wednesday to commemorate Wii Shop Wednesdays, which is when the Wii Shopping Channel used to be updated. People are um, really nostalgic about that Wii Shopping Channel. They are. I Oddly, I just end up listening to it every Wednesday. I guess I just listen to it and I just sing it to myself and down to the point where I apparently know the lyrics. That's quite sad. Do, 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 do. No, that's the me music, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's do, 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 do. Ah. I'm not going to do it because we're going to get a copyright strike on this podcast. Nintendo's going to come for us, kick down our walls, and go, "Give us your money." I, I do think the uh, Switch store is eerily quiet. Yes, I would agree. I miss the uh, the music. I mean, to be fair, right, there is, there is an odd nostalgic charm of, like, I think it, Nintendo not quite getting what the internet shopping experience was and then wanting to make it something more. And then I think, obviously, with subsequent stores, they've gone away from that, A, probably because of the effort involved in composing a piece of music that sounds really good repetitively in the background of shopping, and also just because I think people don't really expect it, so why bother putting it there? Sad times, Tom. Sad times. Speaking of Nintendo not really um, putting in all the effort, let's talk about Kirby and the Forgotten World. Um, Seriously? I kid, I kid. I kid. Um, so, I, I have only played one video game in these last three weeks, uh, which is why we haven't really been recording. Um, I've had guests, we've had a mixture of things going on in the background. But it's been pretty hectic in uh, the Boyle household in the Tom and Matt shack, and so I was like, well, I... I have nothing of value to say. The last podcast episode we did was pretty bare bones. Um, but but I, I made the effort. I bought Kirby. I bought some yeah, nobody, nobody, I was going to say, nobody sends us games to review. <laughs> no, well, to be fair, like I am, I, I do get games occasionally from way forward after doing the biographics. Oh, that's lovely. Very nice okay, very kind of them. Um, like, yeah, but anyway, that's a, that's a sidetrack. Essentially, I... I had gone to Bilka with the intense purposes, that's a Danish supermarket chain for those of you listening, of getting Kirby day one, because I was like, right, we're going to have guests coming tomorrow, I want to have some in for the podcast on Sunday, and um, we just, I, I bought Kirby, I got distracted on my way there by Sonic the Hedgehog Pez dispensers. I know all about that. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> um, and so I, I have boxed ones, Tom, and because... Uh, I, the littlest one of our little guests opened it. I have an open knuckles one that I have been eating pezzes out of on the sly. You've been eating pezzes um, out of knuckles's head. I am, yeah. Oh, his throat specifically. I'm more of like a pez yeah. vampire. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I went there, got Kirby, didn't have a chance to play it, and so hence no pod last week. But I did sit down with it for about an hour or so yesterday, and it was. I was quite struck by it at first because I've, I've heard nothing but praise for this game of most people I know who have played it. And I, I put it in. And you know how in some Nintendo games and some games they tend to be when they're more kid-friendly. There's no voice acting or anything else. And the opening, the opening animatic is just essentially... You know, like surprised Kirby noises and no sound and no real, just music playing over something animated. And I was like, mm, this feels a bit budget. This is a bit weird that this is a full price game. And I had foolishly gone into this game, like, bought up in the praise of everyone saying, like, oh my god, it's a 3D Kirby game. Oh my gosh, so amazing. Um, thinking it would be more akin to 
a Mario Odyssey or nay, even just a Super Mario 64 where it would be, you know, you becoming a car and driving around and doing all these things. And it is less a, a Mario's Odyssey and more of a Super Wario world, if I'm totally honest. So it's not it's... even close to Mario 3D world? No. It, it Yes, but to be honest, the closest comparison of it, what the gameplay actually reminded me of, of the off in like the first level, the Skylanders. It's okay. that f- fixed 3D perspective. You're doing a bit of platform, but you're mainly running around and battling some enemies and solving some puzzles. In I like Skylanders. Yeah, me too, but like it wasn't really what I was expecting. And like I sucked in the a sword guy and I got the little link hat as you were one to do in the Kirby games. Mm. And so I went around with my little sword and I was chopping people. I was like, okay, this is fine, but I don't see what all the fuss is about. Okay. Um, and then, Tom Parry, uh, you, you get the ability, as has been shown many times in the launch trailer, to suck in a car. And Kirby stretches over the car. It looks <laughs> Sorry, the expression "suck in a car" is just tickling. Yeah, I, I mean, no, I mean, he's not. He's not on the exhaust. He's not down on his luck. Bless him. Um, you you pull in this car and like Kirby wraps around the car and you drive as a car and it's like, okay, cool. I'm driving as a car. Um, it wasn't until I think one of the fourth or fifth levels you're going around a shopping mall, and. It just starts to get ridiculous, and it's clear that the team at Hal Labs is having a shitload of fun with this. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, just just suck in those stairs. It's just a, a portable set of stairs. <laughs> just just become a set of stairs. I like so this. All you, it sounds all good. you're doing is you're waddling around with the momentum you'd imagine a pair of stairs to have if it could move, and then you just press B to just go like. fall on things and it was in that moment Tom Parry that I was just like actually you know what I don't need all that flash and polish Mm -hmm. I don't need voice acting and VO and everything else Mm -hmm. I'm just quite happy being a set of stairs falling on things well that sold it to me more than anything I've heard about the game so far so uh, well done Matt Boyle there's just joy exuding from this Kirby game that, to be honest with you, I I have heard in other people's voices, but in those first few levels, like there's a little tutorial stage where you run around Waddle D Town and it's been destroyed because of some weird event, and it's it's a basic tutorial level, you know. It's just like yeah, you know, you're running through. It's showing that you can kill enemies and use B to suck them in, A to jump, mm. blah 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 blah. On that regard, not much has changed for Kirby since the Game Boy. But you have this ability then, once you have already sucked in a power, to press Y to abandon it if you want to get a new one and everything else. Um, and I, I felt the boss at the end of that level. I had a sword. It was very easy. Even though the game from the offset says to you, do you want to play in wild mode or like casual mode or something like that, or comfortable mode or something, or calm mode? And I was like, well, I'm going to play in wild mode because Kirby games tend to be particularly easy anyway and I've not really faced any difficulty. But I have to bear in mind, this is a game for children. It does have co-op stuff, which is why I primarily bought it to play with my lovely lady wife because we like just having quite an easy co-op game. And to be fair, these previous Kirby's games, like Epic Yarn and also the the Yoshi's games, have ticked that box and scratched the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I think this one will do the same, and I I do think there is that level of joy there that really makes it something special. It is not 
going to blow your mind in terms of gameplay, but I just think there's a silly earnestness to it hmm. that has been missing in video games for a long, long time. And it was just like, with everything going on in the world, you know, it's oh, yeah. easy to be a cynical I, human being. I totally just, get that. I've, I've yeah. enjoyed uh, the same sort of experience playing a couple of games I'll talk about in a bit. Uh, that just uh, sunny fun, you know. It's yeah. um, it's usually associated with Nintendo, but obviously not always. But uh, yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from there. Yeah, it, it like the the more I look at Kirby as a character, I I love Kirby. You know this. Like Kirby's Dream Land mm. is the first Game Boy game I ever beat. Like mm. I have a massive love of Kirby. I have the the play arts figure of hit not play arts what's it called um the Kobe Fig- figure arts fig the figma yeah figma he, that's it yeah <clears throat> where he is just you know the figma figure is just Kirby is a round ball and he has shoes and arms that are magnetic and you can move them around his body well that's and when you see him in fully 3d you're like oh this is just the character his eyes are literally like projected onto his face the same way as this figma toy this doesn't make any sense but is is there's an odd charm to the simplicity of it all of the enemies look adorable. Even the bosses have some cuteness to them, though the first big bad kind of look, has a bit of like Donkey Kong-esque vibes to him. He's he's a big monkey with a mohawk, and he's kind of got that signature like rare eyes thing going right, on yeah. from the Donkey Kong games, which I thought was pretty interesting. But like, everything else is like a furry little fox or, you know, a little happy child throwing bombs, as you would expect from a Kirby game. It's delightful. Don't expect it to absolutely reinvent the wheel in terms of what games are going to do. But if you want a charming, I think, nine-hour, I saw the it's clocking in that mark platformer, you can't really go wrong with Kirby. I think it's a nice game, especially if you've got kids. I think this would be a great co-op experience for them or a partner who doesn't play games, which is the case in my experience. That sounds lovely, Matthew. Got to love a bit of Kirby. Yeah, well, I've. Uh, I think you've played this game. I was playing SpongeBob this morning. Uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom, rehydrated. Because yes. yes. um, this is free on PlayStation Plus currently. Oh really? I have not claimed it. I didn't yeah. really enjoy it though. I'm still. No, I know you didn't enjoy it. it. Well, it's very much a PS2 era 3D platformer. Yes. But it does look lovely, and it does give you that feeling of joy that uh, SpongeBob does in general. But um, it, yeah, it's a collect stuff game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do your typical platforming things. There's a few, there's a bit of variety in there with Patrick being able to lift stuff and have a few different moves. I mean, I've only played it for what, just over an hour or so. So I've t- I played it a bit more than mm. you, but like not much. I just, I thought it was, you know, like obviously there's a, a fidelity upgrade there in terms of like them remodeling and whatever, yeah. but like. I just felt the gameplay hadn't aged particularly no, well. No, no, but I, I'm very familiar with these types of games, and I think there's a strange comfort I get from playing re- relatively basic collectathon 3D platformers. Fair, <laughs> fair. Okay, Tom, let me tell you about Kirby. It's going to be right up your alley. Um, I also was playing uh, Super Lucky's Tale uh, the other week and greatly enjoying that. And I, I surprised myself that I hadn't played more of it. I was only very early on in the game, so I did a bit more of that. Another beautiful, um, sunny platform game uh, that I, I enjoyed very much. And, and through those both games, um, yeah, I had that uh, bit of escapism, that sort of regressing back to being a child, which is lovely, especially, as you say, at the moment where uh, the world does seem relatively bleak in terms of what you read in, in on the news. Um, 
it's very interesting. What you read on the like, news, it's what you read in the news and what you watch on the <laughs> yeah, I mean, television. Yeah, read into the news if you really wanted to and get your tinfoil mm. hat on, but hey, that's yeah. how it goes. Mm. No, I, I honestly, like, it's, I, I knew you would like Super Lucky's Tale. We were having a conversation about a game I assume we're going to talk about in a second where you were like, this is a Matt Boyle game. Like, I knew Super Lucky's Tale was a Tom Parry game when I played it, but mm. it wasn't for me. SpongeBob, I could also see you liking because I've, I've seen you play some very basic 2D, well, okay. uh, 3D collect-a-thon platformers. Even time. things like Barnyard isn't that bad. I liked Barnyard on the PS2. And that wow. is not a notable movie. I've actually never seen the movie, but uh, <laughs> the, the game's not bad. And you'll find that a lot. I'd like to stress that all, not all PS2 licensed platformers are bad. In fact, the majority of them I've played are rather playable, rather well-designed, right. well-thought-out, yeah. and uh, perfect for kids. You know, I think this is the thing, right? Like, I, I think often what happens in critiques and everything else is... It is very easy in your critique, as I just did, you know, like mm. to say, oh, this game is like this game. And I think in doing that, you are you are not looking at the game itself. You are critiquing, comparing and contrasting with other stuff. And I mean, yes, you should do that to a degree because it's contemporary with other things. And you can say, OK, this feels like a throwback platform or everything else. But it's very rarely that we look at the game as a whole in isolation. And I think if you do that for a lot of those PS2 platformers, if you're not comparing it to what Nintendo was doing at the time or the better cream of the crop 2D plat- or 3D platformers from that era, apparently I, I can't <laughs> I can't cross dimensions at the moment, then, you know, like you're, you're painting something like a barnyard in perhaps an unfair light compared to... You know, a, a a Super Mario Sunshine, I guess, would be the comparison. <laughs> but then again, maybe Barnyard compared to Super Mario Sunshine doesn't look too bad. Um, well, I remember a Barnyard. It wasn't your typical 3D platformer. It was, it was 3D platforming, but also mini games. Heavy sort of leaning towards mini games, but in a 3D adventure platform type uh, game. I'm sure I have it on my pile of. It's been a long time it. since I played it. I don't want to put. Barnyard above anything else in terms of the library. It's just one that sprung to mind that there are also plenty of others that are um, maybe even more enjoyable. I think the Ice Age game on PS2 is pretty good. There's probably more than one, but the particular one I'm thinking of was was all right. The Incredibles. Maybe we, maybe right. we should do. You know, like I, I've heard a lot of praise about Pokemon episode. I still hear that to this day of like a game that we are both passionate about that we have played. Maybe we should just do an episode. Where you and I play some licensed PS2 platformers. Well, I'm in the like, perfect oh. situation yeah. as long as time permitting. Uh, I yeah. have access to my full library of PS2 platformers pretty much uh, yeah. over the next few days. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not saying you should turn your entire vacation into you playing Ice Age <laughs> on the PS2. Campari. I'm just saying maybe well, somewhere down feet, the line, maybe we should do good. that. If you want to, if you want us to do that, let us know. We we will be more than happy to. Uh, you've got. I need to clean out my PS2 games at some point. So. Travelers Tales Chronicles of Narnia, which is a lot like I feel it was probably like a Lego Star Wars game. Probably. In fact, Lego Star Wars that's very current, isn't it? Because the I, Skywalker saga has just been released. 
I have not played it yet. I hear it is very, very good. Mm. I'm kind of curious because I really, I really like those old TT games, but I did, mm. I did not think they aged particularly well. And they've done some quality life improvements, haven't they? Over the shoulder sure. camera and um, shooting apparently feels like Fortnite. But yeah. then again, I think these things were introduced uh, in in some part, at least, into Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah I so I remember so that having that sort yeah. of the shooting at least being uh, over the shoulder. I don't remember you being able to fly through the air while comboing Anakin Skywalker, though, in, the, in those games. But uh, there we go. That's a yeah. fun thing. I this is like our kids' game special, isn't it? It one? is, yeah. I mean, other than me being a Pez vampire up front, I mean, <laughs> the imagery's been quite pleasing. Um, before you talk about a game, can I quickly get mm. on a soapbox? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I have long bemoaned the death of... Uh, flea markets here in Denmark, like mm. the, comparing what was a, a bountiful land full of video games when we first moved here to it being clearly that there is a lot of people buying video games, and rightly so. I mean, if you can get them cheap, why wouldn't you? Now we're just coming to the point, right, where there's a big antique market that I go to every year, and it has gotten to the point where almost, I would say... Roughly every five or so stalls now, I will see people who traditionally would have sold like diecast cars if they had any toys or records or, you know, Arne Jacobson furniture that's ridiculously priced that no one's going to pay for in a flea market to now have started having video games, mm-hmm. um, which is surprising to me. Like the 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 post-COVID shift into people going, oh, well, people want video games. Also, Pokemon cards. I saw a really disheartening thing yesterday. I picked up some e-card read uh, Pokemon cards, and I had my hands in this big pile of Pokemon cards, and I, I picked up the e-reader ones, and I, a kid come along and was like, oh, more Pokemon cards to his mother, always Danish mm. for mother. And so I just kind of like politely stepped away, took the card reader ones I wanted, bought them and walked on. Um, I was looking at the rest of the stall and the next one over there. And I turned back to see <laughs> that the child and the mother, and this kid couldn't have been more than like eight. Mm-hmm. Both of them had their phones out. Both of them were pricing the value of individual Pokemon cards in this pile of Pokemon cards. And I was just like, man, just be a kid. Just go, wow, it's a Squirtle. I want a Squirtle. Don't be like, oh, this... Because they were literally like, mmm, 50, uh, and like throwing some back in the tins and like, oh, these cards are not worth my time. I'm like, the fuck have we done to our kids where they're going around so free markets looking kid, for value? Yeah. 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 Anyways, point being, I walked around these stalls and to be honest, it was kind of nice to see video games everywhere. Because I think it means that all of these people are going around and hoovering stuff up in charity shops, which is why I'm not seeing video games in charity shops anymore. But also, none of them are doing their research. (laughs) So, Ah. um, you know, I I walk up to a stall, naturally, there's copies of Pokemon for like 400 kroner and Mario for the game, Super Mario Land 2 for the Game Boy for 300, and I'm just there and I'm looking and I'm like, oh! Look at that copy of Boktai 2 in that pile of games for 20 kroner. I'll be taking you home. Oh. Um, 
Yeah, and I so, they haven't had the buzz like that for a while. Uh, picking no, up retro um, games. Yeah. Also, just you know, people not giving shit and caring about stuff because this Game Boy Color Pikachu, as you know, you were with me when I bought my first one. I paid about a tenner for this yeah. um, because the seller had been there at the last market I went to, yeah. which was last year, um, and had clearly left the batteries in the Game Boy, not knowing that you should take the fucking batteries out. Yep. Um, and Rookie where error. she had been trying to charge a thousand kroner for this Game Boy last time, which is why I almost laughed in her face. Um, yeah, she was just like, oh, well, it's just it's just a hundred kroner because um, there's corrosion. Like, she's like, oh, it's broken, the batteries, and she opened it up. And to be fair, it's particularly nasty corrosion. I think I'm going to have to change out the spring that's on the shell side. Before right, she... oh, I've never done that like that before. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be Can fair... Can you do uh, that with uh, another Game Boy you've got or something? Yeah, I mean, mm. to be... I I, I messaged my, my good friend um, Tom at Super Tomato in Cardiff, and he was just like, well, you can, generally speaking, he said you can swap it out with any contact. He said if you can find a, certain remote controls, we'll have... Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. sized ones. You just all you have to do is put it out, put it in, and then it works. Although the other way you could look at it is just you take the case off and put it on another Game Boy, couldn't you? I mean, yeah. To be fair, like if honestly, I I don't want to sacrifice the Game Boy inside. If the Game Boy inside is working, what I did yesterday just to check it was I I I took it apart, I cleaned it as best I could. But what happened was the there was so much corrosion on the side that is in the case that the spring itself eroded when I was cleaning it, and so like you yeah. can put. You can't put the battery there because there's no yeah. spring to push it against the contact. Sure. I, I was also told by Tom that you can leave a, a small spring under there if you have something like that to hand, and it'll it'll do the job for you because all it needs is metal to conduct and hit the contact. Right. But I was like, oh, I'll just do it with a, a, you know, I'll just grab a remote control or something in a flea market. But this is your second. This is my second one. Yeah, this, is, one this was this was just trade. Did, fodder, did you need two, Matthew? It's just, it's just trade fodder, Tom. Like you know. Okay, like, fair enough. Believe it or not, Tom, I still don't have a friggin' lime green Game Boy Color, and so I was like, well, oh, hopefully wow. someone, if I go like, hey, this has got corrosion and the battery cover's a bit loose, someone will go, yeah, cool, I'll give you a green Game Boy for it. Yeah, so, yeah. Are they particularly uh, collectible green ones? Do they have a greater value than the rest? No, or a bit I, rarer. I, I, no? no, weirdly, right the. In the in the Game Boy Color echelons of like color rankings, I see <laughs> I, I see a lot in Denmark. I see a lot of teal. I see a lot of yellow. Mm. I see a lot of the the berry, which is the pink pinky mm. red one. Yeah, and I tend to see a lot of the transparent purple one, which looks fucking cool. So what I about got, regular I, purple? That was like the lead version, wasn't it? Yeah, I, it was the version I had. It was yeah. the version I know everyone who I know, bar maybe one or two people who had teal or yellow. Yes, in the UK I had, had teal. Yeah, I have teal. Still yeah, have it, it's, yes. You know, it is the stock one. But I also know a lot of people who had the green one. Um, I just can't find one in Denmark. Like I said, the the purple transparent one, the atomic purple one, is relatively, you know, it, it is the rarer mm. one because it's a later one. It tends to fetch a bit more money because it's also a skeletal Game Boy. So did you not get one um, when you went to Retro Hunter? I did not, no. No. Did, did he have any? I don't remember, actually. I'm pretty sure yeah. I checked what Ali had, and I, I think he had some SP colours I didn't have. Okay. I, like, oh, I just thought, I'm trying to think of a place where you might come across one of them. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, right, like, it, it's odd, weird colourway stuff is kind of all I really need for my Game Boy collection. I'm like, mm. I don't have a red Game Boy camera. 
I, I don't know why. I've got several green, yellow, and blue ones. I just never find the red one. Um, I think yeah, I've it, got um, a yellow one. Yeah, I've got a yeah. yellow one. I actually go. spent actually spent my evening yesterday taking camera uh, taking photos off a Game Boy camera in preparation to take one out for a bit of shooting today. But the weather's looking a bit crap. Anyway, I digress, Tom Parry. This is supposed <laughs> to be a quick and easy podcast. But uh, all to, all to say, I think we are we are verging on the point where going to a flea market in Denmark to get video games is probably not the great opportunity it once was. I I think there is if you are out there and are listening to this in Denmark, I think now is the time to go out and go to flea markets because, as I said, I think there are a lot of people who are going to charity shops and in the same way that people would have probably bought LPs 10 years ago, just hoovering up anything that's good. I think people are doing that now with video games, but I don't think they're taking More so the than ever before. Yeah, exactly. I don't, taking, I don't think they're taking the time to look at what is a particularly rare video game versus not. I think they're just trying to sell stuff on name recognition because they've probably heard Pokemon games are worth a lot. Mm, Yeah, if more people go into it, not everyone's going to have the same amount of dedication to researching other prices, are they? If it's becoming a thing that everyone's doing that people who don't usually sell video games, who aren't specialists, are doing, then, yeah, you have an opportunity there to get some bargains. Absolutely. I I saw this happen with the Game & Watch when I moved here, is that people were starting to charge three, four hundred for a Game & Watch, but, yeah, a Game Boy was 20 kroner on the same store. Like... Mm. It, it will happen. People will start to buy this stuff, start to realise, oh, that sold really quickly. Maybe I should put that at a higher price. And the so market eventually. Will, yeah, the market will balance itself out. You will get people who will start to specialise this. In in the way that I've seen antique shops now start to specialise in toys in a weird way that I never expected. Like there's a, a beautiful antique shop in Riba here in Denmark, which is like one of the oldest town. It's the oldest town in Denmark, which is one of the oldest towns in Europe. Mm. There's an antique shop there. Absolutely gorgeous vintage Danish design furniture and like antiques from advertising and signage and stuff. But they also have a load of toys. It's really odd for me to go into a shop like that. What era of toys? 80s. 80s, like right. 80s okay. and earlier, so you will see, you know, you see the classic tin toys you would expect from an antique shop, or you know, like rubber muppets things and asterisk things that tend to be permeate a lot of European culture, like Lucky Luke statues and these Smurfs. Smurfs, exactly. Mm. But you are also starting to see now, where I am, starting to see things like He-Man and Transformers and stuff into that mix, and it's weird mm. that 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 seller of you know generally antiquity and furniture and weird china dogs that no one really wants has realized oh actually what people of what people would have been interested in like 20 years ago now isn't that people are nostalgic for things they grew up with and toys therefore we should start stocking those rather than the the bowl with olives on it that their grandmother might have had they're trying to go at nostalgia in a different way that i think is really interesting Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, get out there while you can. There's still bargains to be had, but I don't think for long. Hmm. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more cheery. Uh, Tell I've... me about Tunic, Tom. Tell yeah, me about Tunic. Tunic. So I've played Tunic for, I can double check exactly how long, but a few hours. Uh oh, look at you and your applications and your seamless integration of Microsoft. Ooh. 
What's that? I don't know. I'm just being snarky of the fact that you picked up your phone to check how long you've Well, I, I do think that the Xbox app's particularly good if you want to check uh, how long you spent on a game because it does give you um, time spent for all modern games, at least. I don't think for like yeah. backwards compatible 360 Xbox original games you can find out, but for Xbox One, you can, you can normally find out. So we'll have a quick little look. Uh, so, so you get an idea of how much I've experienced of Tunic and what my impressions are from that limited time with it. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look. Oh, one hour, 12 minutes. <laughs> one hour and 12 minutes. Wow, that's pretty precise. Well, and, and what I'll say now is um, great because in one hour, 12 minutes, I realised it was a very good game. In I fact, mean... I realised it was a very good game even sooner than the one hour, 12 minute mark. Really? Is it because you went into the manual? That's the thing I hear. Everyone's like, oh my God, this game's got an inbuilt manual and it tells you all the secrets. Well, oh my gosh. It's really well thought out in that respect because rather than forcing tutorials down your throat, um, you refer to the manual like you would with any sort of physical manual. If you need some assistance, if you get stuck, just bring up the menu, find the manual, and there's some delightful illustrations in there, very reminiscent of what you might see for Super Nintendo instruction manual, yeah. Mega Drive, whatever. Super to... Nintendo particularly, I would say. Okay. Um, but to, to bring it back a little bit before we get into like the oh, what is it? aesthetics, it is a lush-looking <laughs> game for sure. And I want to I talk about how adorable that fox is, but yeah. what is this game? What is it? Well, it's weird. basically isometric Zelda, isn't it? And that's what it seems to be on the offset, yes. It's what a... Absolutely. And uh, you start off with no weapons. You pick up a stick. Uh, I did read online uh, how important it was to get the sword as soon as possible. Uh, so I um, set my sights on where the sword was. I knew uh, I need to go to the hero's grave. So, so I uh, traversed this area, uh, ran to a few enemies, uh, but eventually made it and picked up the sword. And uh, obviously that makes dispensing enemies a lot easier. And it's very Zelda, yeah. you know, go and get the sword. There's a shield as well, but I haven't got the shield yet. You don't get the shield in the first hour of the game, I have Ooh. to say. Um, but um, it's cleverly designed in terms of the layouts of the areas. There's outdoor and indoor areas. Yeah. Uh, enemies have a reasonable variety to them. There's enemies from fire projectiles. and It's, it's typical video game fare, you know, enemies that don't, you know. There's a more aggressive uh, enemy, which is like there's certain there's areas called watchtowers, and uh, they have a more aggressive enemy. And it, takes a, it does take a little bit of effort to defeat these enemies, you know, you do. Yeah. Uh, but you also get things like potions and things. So um, as long as you've got some sort of backup there, you'll be all right. I'd suggest making sure you have a potion on you when you fight, say, the first uh, Watchtower Guard yeah. um, that very early stage in the game. But what's immediately striking about this game is it's how it's presented. In yes. You've already mentioned the character's very appealing. And the world itself is rendered in a really sort of simplistic way, but a very uh, charming way. Uh, lots of atmosphere, um, which is uh, aided in part to the music, the yeah. music is incredibly relaxing. It's the sort of thing you might want to listen to outside of the game as well, just to sort of chill out. Um, it's really well done. Um, overall, it's a very solid package, and you can tell some real thoughts gone into the game design, how you progress through the game. And everything feels good to play. In fact, combat's got, got a level of complexity to it. You know, uh, you might, It's simple to pick up at first, but... Look at the instruction book. You can do a little bit more with it. 
um, if you should uh, approach it in a in a different way. Yeah. Um, I, I that is what I continue to hear about Tunic, and to be honest with you, it is the kind of thing that people have alluded to the way they talk about the simplicity of that game with hidden mm. depth. Mm. Even within the level design, is what oh yeah, absolutely. Hinted at. You you encourage to explore the levels because the way it's presented in an isometric way, you you always see it at the same angle. Yeah. So it reminded me of like the Mario Three D Land Three D World games, where even yeah. though it's presented at sort of a fixed angle, there's there's little things to find and explore, uh, yeah. like secret paths. That might not be immediately noticeable, but if you move your character towards that wall, you'll find you start to move through that wall, and it's actually yeah. a, a tunnel, and and there you'll get a get an item or something like that. I, I have heard like, and this is my own extrapolation from this, but like hearing stuff like that, mm-hmm. and hearing some of the people who have reacted on podcasts I've listened to that I've had to stop listening to because I just want to enjoy the game myself, mm. but I don't have the Xbox yet, is. The, I I believe there's also maybe some even like fez like moments in that game, yeah. where you you will discover that things that have been there the entire time. Yes, and it's not immediately obvious. apparent. Yeah, yeah. Just break uh, the game and like break your possibility space of what that game could do. It's clever. It fascinates me. I really want so to play it. So, if you want to know a bit a bit about the story, um, really when when you're thrown into the game, and you really are thrown into the game, which I really like as well. You can just start playing straight away. There's not some massive long cutscene explaining what's going on or anything. It's yeah. st- the relatively simple storyline uh, that's presented at the beginning of the game is, is um, done through the gameplay, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, your mother seems to be trapped, your fox mother, and okay. basically you're lighting all these beacons, and I feel like you're, you're trying to set her free from her prison. Yeah. I yeah. mean, to be fair, that that in itself kind of sounds reminiscent to A Link to the Past, right? Like, you know, the storytelling there is told through the gameplay. Mm. It's like, oh, no, they come to wake up your, your dad. You do just like, wake up, by yeah. the way, in, in two. Oh, of course you do. I mean, I mean, it's a classic yeah. Zelda start, isn't yeah. it? I mean, like, it's wearing yeah. its influences on its sleeve. But it seems to be doing well, so much more have... than your usual Zelda-esque game. We only have to look at the character to see how he's modelled from Link. Yeah. He's green tunic, and the shields' colours are the same as the uh, Hyrulean shield, would it be? Yeah. Yeah. Master Shield. What was that called? Hyrulean shield? It's Hyrulean shield, Master yeah. Sword, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The Deku shield is the first one you have. Yeah. I, I very much arena. recommend the game. It's on Game Pass, so those who've got an Xbox and Game Pass, you can play on Xbox One. I would say the rendering of the graphics didn't look as good on Xbox One. Uh, I test this out for Matt because obviously Matt, Matt has an Xbox One, and it's playable. You can perfectly you'll get used to it. But having already played it on the Series S and where those shadows don't flicker as much, that's what happens. The shadows in the game sort of flicker on the Xbox One, which is really off-putting. They still do on the Series S, which I've been playing it on, but not to the point where it's distracting. Um, but it does play on the Xbox One, so uh, you can play it. It just depends on how much those graphical uh, issues bother you, basically. Yeah. If you've never played the other version, maybe they won't bother you, but they did for me, going back a generation, basically. I, just, I went to check one of the Danish electronic retailers, and I saw that they had um, 
the Series X. And I was like, oh my god, they have the Series X in stock. Maybe I'll buy a Series X. And I saw it's the Xbox Series X mini fridge. Oh yeah, like, that that yeah. that's caught a few people out. Now over in the UK, the Series X has been available quite readily. I've seen it on Amazon, uh, Shop Two, Game. Uh, Series X seems to be quite accessible in a way the PS Five still isn't. Yeah. Series S even more so, very uh, accessible console to pick up. I'm not sure how this game plays on the One X. I don't know if that's also a, a cheaper option. Um, I have actually, Matt, picked up a One X very recently. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Uh, upgrade my um, Xbox One, basically. Tom, right then. We, we just started this it conversation was, was by saying, can you I, can, can play I... Tunic on an Xbox One, and I'm actually considering like cracking my Xbox One out yeah. and playing it on my base Xbox One. Yeah. You know why I'm considering doing that, Tom? Because all games work on all Xboxes. Why did you buy hmm. a C- Why did you buy a Series X well, when you I've, have an Xbox One? I have a lot of disc-based games for my Xbox uh, that are enhanced for um, One X. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can see a genuine oh, benefit, okay. especially yeah. something like uh, Kakarot. If I didn't, if I didn't have a massive disc collection, although in hindsight I should have perhaps gone for the Series X. Yeah, but actually, Ah, I I got it so cheap that it's been cheaper to buy a Series S and a Series X. Sorry, a One X than it would. A One X and a Series S. Considerably cheaper, actually. How much was a One X? One twenty-five. One twenty-five. And that's with that's the Gears Five um, limited edition console, Ooh. which is retailing well on secondhand market for about one hundred eighty two hundred. Yeah. So one twenty five seemed like a bit of a deal to me. It's four K uh, machine as well, like the like the Xbox One S also has a four K drive. But okay, so that's what. So that's like two hundred and forty quid plus hundred and twenty. So you saved fifteen pounds, is what I'm hearing. Hang on. So the, so the Series X is four fifty. Uh, the uh, yeah, four fifty for a Series X. Okay, the the Xbox One S is two fifty, and this was one twenty five. So it definitely was a saving. Okay. Fair Games do. It is actually, almost a hundred quid. It's fair. Yeah. Games also do load slightly quicker on it. Um, you can also take advantage of an SSD with it, and it will load like you would expect an SSD to load. So that's a yeah. nice option. I don't have that. I, I have two external hard drives connected to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's everything. I'm managing to get everything on it, which is good. Uh, I've been doing the process of transferring everything from my original Xbox One to my One X, which uh, has taken some time. I mean, to be fair, right, if you were going to get a series, a 1X, mm. I would have assumed the Gears of War one would not be your choice. I would have thought, mm. and this is based on my own preference, so I nearly mm-hmm. bought it, even though I hadn't played the game at the time, you would have gone for the Cyberpunk one. Oh, yeah, but that's considerably more expensive. <laughs> it's because it's gorgeous. It, it doesn't bother me really that much. I mean, I was willing to... to take this one over the other because of the price but it's actually quite a nice looking machine laser etched cracks in it it's like ice and the the i don't know what you call it the gear symbol the skull the, the skull it's, yeah it's, it's got, got a name, name i think the skull cog <laughs> thing i'll google it while you're talking about but it. it's it looks like it's under ice there's two layers to the top so it's like it's not like a flat image it's sort of laid underneath the top 
Um, it does a sort of ice cracking thing when you turn the power on. Um, it's not as loud as the Halo uh, 5 one I've got, which... And also, I'm really glad to have a 1X uh, because it doesn't turn itself on randomly all the time. Yeah. Uh, the the fact that the original Xbox One had an on button that wasn't actually a button, it I found it was to turn itself on with a speck of dust floated by the Xbox, you yeah. know. So it would occasionally just turn itself on. Uh, and because it's so loud, it's done it in the night before. Wow. Um, so it wouldn't didn't wake me up, but, you know, you'd wake up next morning and, oh, the Xbox is on, you know. Yeah, I get you. Um, so it's quite nice. And I'm taking the Xbox One back uh, to my parents' house, so <laughs> when yeah, I'm there, I can, that's fair. That's <laughs> I can use it there. So I'm, I'm happy with it. For the money I paid, I thought, that's all right. And you do notice a substantial upgrade in some of the games. If they're enhanced for 1X, yeah, that it really is um, a big upgrade over the original Xbox One. For the majority of the games, I think that 720 was, uh, was norm for resolution on the yeah. original Xbox One. Um, Makes sense. Do you, yeah. do you want to do you want to take a guess at what the the Skull Gears logo is called? <sighs> I'll give you a hint. It's based on the color of the proper one. Well, the color of the proper one. I have no yeah. idea. The color. It is called the Crimson Omen. <sighs> of course, it's a Crimson Omen. I couldn't remember because when I was seeing this, um, I watched an unboxing videos of this console prior to yeah. getting it. As everyone's talking about the Crimson Omen. Now you say yeah. it, I, I remember that they were calling it something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, this article on IGN.com reads, What does a Crimson Omen mean in Gears of War? Oh, I don't know. It's a when, sky, it looks cool, doesn't it? When a gear dies, another gear or a standard marks the spot by spraying a Crimson Omen near the body. It means the Coalition has been defeated in that area and the Lord has taken over. <gasps> I never knew that. The drama of Big Meaty Man. <laughs> Oh, by yeah. the way, if if you're gonna, you know, maybe get your Xbox One out or get yourself a Series S or something, uh, Far Changing Tides is also on Game Pass. That's a platform game, two D platformer, which is really interesting because you uh, you have to, what do you say, sail a boat uh, through parts of it, and actually there's some sort of system in place that makes sailing the boat quite quite interesting. So, okay. uh, Far. Changing Tides is... Um, I like the aesthetic of this game. It yeah, looks got, real neat. It's also got nice graphics as well, uh, atmosphere. Uh, so uh, I can recommend that as well. Cool. Oh, here's something fun I found out recently. You can't plug two external drives into a PS4 at the same time. No, does it explode? <laughs> it doesn't explode. You can only use one at a time, basically. Oh, okay. That's slightly annoying. But, I mean, yeah. to be fair... I'm not sure if I would classify that as fun, Tom. You might want to fun at... fact. Well, fun you know, fact. it's not. Can't... It's something I didn't know. Um, yeah. Not a lot of people know that. <laughs> I yeah. tried it recently, and yeah, yeah, I found that out. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad you're doing that. <laughs> your due diligence and the reporting that people demand. Yeah. Uh, also, I've just been playing a few other. Games. I'll just briefly. So I played a level of Doom. Really enjoyed it. Dropped difficulty yeah. down. Enjoyed it even more. Um, <laughs> this is Doom 2016, by the way. I um, assumed. A game I jump back to every now and again. I'm playing through it, uh, but usually about a level every few months yeah. or something. <laughs> you know what I'm like, Matt. A uh, bit more Combat 11, enjoying that. You know that, That's on Game Pass as well at the minute, which is cool. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, as previously mentioned. Gears of War, 
3, played a bit of that, played a bit of um, Halo 3. <laughs> Halo 3. Yeah. I did, I'm playing through Halo 3 in a very slow way as well. I just did the level with the big uh, sort of walking um, mech uh, enemy. I don't know yeah. if you remember that or not. So it's like it's like a spider, and the oh, end, it's at the end of the level. Yes, I do, yeah. yeah. And you have to, to destroy the leg so it drops down so you can get on it and then blow it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if this is interesting to any of our listeners talking about Halo 3 after I all mean, this time. I mean, to be fair, but, it's a pretty memorable mission. I do remember pretty running epic. around on those roofs and you jump on it, but the bridge bit. Oh, yeah, and played yeah. great on Xbox One X. There wow. <laughs> Look at you. Like, they should give us an Xbox and then I could have it. That would be nice. You're bigging up this yeah. console so much. You well, almost you know, I, I like all the consoles. I think the Xbox has got a lot of good things going for it. And I actually think the um, overall um, UI for Xbox has got really good over time. I find it really quite accessible and much better than it was when it first launched. Cool. In I, some ways, better than the PS5 one, I would yeah, say. Yeah, the, the only thing that's held me back, to be honest, is considering getting an Xbox. And, like, Tunic has just been like, mm, maybe I should. And, like, looking at all the studios that Microsoft has obviously acquired is going, hmm, maybe I should have a second console. Is I want kind of want the Steam Link. I just want a, oh. I want, I want a switchy console where I can play very good indie games that are only on the well, PC you could, on. You could go that way, couldn't you? I guess. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, to be honest, because then stuff like Tunic should be able to run on that. So. Oh yes, I'm sure, I'm sure it would. Yeah. Great. So, shall we wrap it up? We should, because you've got a train to catch, and I've got guests to entertain. Okay. So, on that note, Tom Parry, thank you as always for podcasting me, and oh, thank you pleasure. out there in listening land for listening to us. You can find us in a variety of places, such as on tomattack.com forward slash podcast blast process.com and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Team Cast for the two of us at Tom Perry 11 for him at Game Boyle for me and you can listen to the podcast in a variety of places as well. Those previously mentioned as well as on iTunes Spotify and Stitcher. I mixed it up this week just to keep you on your toes. Um, we will also probably be on Apple Music because, um, not Apple Music, sorry, Amazon Music, because I have recently had a load of emails from Amazon going, hey, you've got a podcast, you should put it on our platform. Don't really want to, but I mean, if there's a way that people are using Amazon Music and feel that this podcast should be on there, let us know. Otherwise, I'll probably just do it anyway. Tom, always a pleasure to smite in the concerns about where we host our podcast to you. Um, And thank you out there again for listening. Be sure, as always, to game on. Game on. (laughs) Hehe. I don't know what that was.